I was unclear. Am I supposed to do this nude or no? <laughs> Take your shirt off. Yeah, I'm good, Carrie. <laughs> Hey, y'all, don't go anywhere. We got a hot take edition of Naked with Jamel Hill right after these messages. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. celebrities behind the scenes it's refreshing authentic the whole story specific life altering events to shape the person that you hear we got a champion and carry champion hey girl you did it it's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us hey everybody welcome to a- another special edition of naked <laughs> And I'll make it sound very special all the time, right? But I do want to thank you guys for um, hanging in there and really giving me a great response to last week's podcast with Busy Phillips. We had so much, um, we had we had really good feedback. And even if we had bad feedback, I love the feedback. And it, it, and I appreciate it that you allowed us to be naked and, and have nuance because many people could have listened and thought, Carrie is anti-white, she doesn't like white people, which is ridiculous. Um, but you understood that there was a sisterhood between Busy Phillips and I, and 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 a true, and a true love for her boldness and her nakedness. Jeez, Louise, she went. I mean, she went all the way there. You're talking about trauma, abortion, rape, teenage pregnancy, so much. And I and I'm grateful that she was able to do that with me, uh, and she trusted me with her story. So let me let me focus on a keyword that I just mentioned. Uh, the key word is trauma um, and sisterhood. Those two things, I think, in this particular podcast are relevant. My good friend, if not one of my closest friends, Jamel Hill, joins us this week. And if you think we was anti-white last week, you are, get ready, buckle up! Kidding. <laughs> but I want you and what has always been the biggest, honestly, the biggest rub for black people as we talk about social justice is where is the humanity? Where do you see us? How do you see us? And I want you to picture a little girl reading a newspaper, in particular the sports column, uh, while her mother is cleaning homes. I'm talking about Jamel Hill. Her mother was a cleaning lady. And Jamel says she fell in love with sports when she would go to work with her mom and her mother would read, would be working and Jamel would have a newspaper, the newspaper of whomever's home her mother was cleaning and she'd just flip to the sports section and start reading. Therein lies our budding journalist named Jamel Hill. That's where she 
really found her love of the game, the love of writing about the game more specifically. And then later on in life, here she is, I believe one of the most premier sports journalists we have. Um, And she was given a column early on in her career. And when you're given a column as a journalist, you are forced to have an opinion, you are required to have an opinion, and you better be good at giving your opinion. And she's been doing it for years, unlike any other, one of the few that I consider really sharp. Uh, Whether you agree or disagree, her points are always well argued and thought out. So with that being said, uh, I, I know that she grew up dealing with so much, as we all do. Um, in particular, you know, the latchkey kid. We both have in common a lot of things in the sense of our parents both worked. We come from single-parent homes. During the summer, there was no real summer vacation. I wasn't packing up and going on a trip. I was packing up my backpack to sit under my mother's desk because no one was able to watch me. And she was watching me while she was working. And she would have to hide me. And I'd be under her desk or I'd be in the back back office, back, back, back office. Be quiet. Mind your business. Don't do nothing. Answer the phone. I'm going to the bathroom. Literally, that was just what it was. And I think... If you're listening to this conversation, this podcast, I want you to see one little girl sitting at a kitchen table reading a newspaper while her mother worked and another little girl hiding under her mother's desk while her mother sold furniture. Uh, That is who we are right now in this moment. Two little girls just kikiing, having a conversation and we're asking you to see the humanity. I'm asking you, she isn't. I'm asking you to see the humanity in us. Because this conversation is going to take you a few different places. We're going to talk about relationships um, and how we deal with relationships. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you name it. Interpersonal relationships. Personal relationships. And if you can see them through that lens, perhaps you'll understand us differently. And if you can't see it through that lens and you don't understand us, who cares? Kiss my ass. That's a Gemini in me. Kiss my ass. However, the first part, because we're going to break it up in parts for you, is about relationships. It's very funny. There's a lot of inside jokes. Those of you who are listening who have followed us for years, you'll be right there. You'll get it. You'll laugh. You'll think it's funny. I might be telling too much of my business, but that's okay. And the second half, quite frankly, um, is about social justice. All the isms. All the things that we talk about very freely and very honestly and we're being very clear about who we are talking about and if you thought last week was super uncomfortable when we talked about white folks buckle up buckle up buckle up and we're not talking about all white folks so don't at me even though i know you will but just try to enjoy us two girlfriends catching up sharing their life story trying to heal from all the trauma that we've dealt with growing up. And that, in turn, is how we've been able to see the world. Our lens, what we look at, how we view things, how we how we digest information has a lot to do with how we grew up. Those two little girls I'm telling you about. So I hope you enjoy it, which I, which I do believe you will. Um, sit back, relax, key key with us, grab some wine or finish your workout or keep driving in traffic, whatever it is that you're doing, uh, and tell us what you think. My close friend, Jamel Hill, 
is naked. How important is, because I feel like as your friend and someone who's known you for a long time, I feel like you, you act as if nothing bothers you. How true is that about you? Uh, it's mostly true, but I think it depends on who you are in my life. I mean, I, it's so funny because I just, me and uh, Ian just had this conversation last night about how, um, you know, marriage makes you very vulnerable in ways that are wildly uncomfortable for me. Uh, and the wild. Do you fart in front of, do you fart in front of him? Like, is that what you mean? No, but according to him, I do so in my sleep quite repeatedly. And I was like, I never had that problem before. I feel like he's making this up, but he says that I apparently am quite gassy at night. <laughs> That's crazy because I dated a guy most recently who said he like he he let me know before we took a nap that he was about to fart in his sleep. See, I mean, I don't know how this happens, but mm-hmm. he claims that I, I change your diet. You need to change your diet. <laughs> change my why? Because mm-hmm. like you eat. It's, Some I feel of your like it's kale. Is, it's kale. It, it, <laughs> That's what I, it is. I, okay. I know your diet, and I'm pretty sure it's more than kale. No, I have been, believe it or not, Carrie, I've been quite good recently. I did go through 10 straight days of eating probably the worst food okay. every single day. But yeah. I've been good. I've been good. I've been good. Or, and but what's this, recently for you? The last five days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do eat relatively cleanly relatively during the week it's like and then on the weekends i'm like i need i need a popeye's chicken sandwich so okay black girl okay so being yeah. married you've been uh-huh. married for a year and some change mm-hmm. and it makes you vulnerable in what way outside of the fact that your husband has to tell you you sleep you fart at night in the bed <laughs> the way uh it makes me vulnerable is because i you know i i've never had to i've never needed a person before mm. ever I mean, I don't. That's count, not like, true, my, though. What? No, I've never needed somebody. Like my mom. Yeah, I mean, like needed somebody. Nah, dog. I ain't never needed nobody. Okay, therapy one hundred and one. You are crazy. Why am I crazy? Everybody <laughs> needs someone, and for you to be like outside of my mom. I mean, I guess yeah, I'm good. So you came out of the if, out of your mother's vagina, not needing anyone. No, I mean, the way my <laughs> life is. Does that sound weird? Why you now you making me feel weird? Because like I don't think that's odd because need is a totally different thing. Want is one thing, need is another. All right. So I'm making the 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 distinction. Okay. Need need is a is a survival. You need connection, you need intimacy, you need you need um relationships, you need uh balance. You can't do all of that yourself, black woman, superwoman. I didn't take it. Prior to being prior to being married, so you just out here on your own, just figuring it all out and being perfectly no, stable. No, I, I I need balance in my life for sure, but that's a relatively recent conclusion. <laughs> to be honest, like this is not something I've always thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I need my friendships. I, I felt like were very strong and healthy and, you know, I need people like that in my life. But I, I can't say that I've needed a lot of people. Right. So I'll just say that I won't say nobody. I'll say I have not needed a lot of people. That's and more as, that's more fair. OK. OK. So I, I see you're you've expanded the definition. I should be very specific. I have never needed a man. Never. Mm. So what let me be real. You, 
Specific. Wait a second. Never needed a man? Needed one? Nah, dog. I ain't never needed one. Well, then how do you take care of your needs prior to being married if you didn't need a man? But see, that's not a need. That's a want. So you got to know the difference, Carrie. That's not the same. Wait a second. You telling me sex is, is a want, not a need? Yeah. I mean, I may have wanted sex. Did I need sex? No. I I disagree. I believe people need sex. By people, you mean you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's people, Carrie? It's <laughs> like, mm, I think that might be you. Okay. And I, look, I don't want people to get the, the uh, to, to draw a false conclusion. I'm not okay. saying I didn't like sex, if not love it. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like, need to me is something you can't live without. Okay. All right. So you could have lived without sex prior to me getting married. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have liked it. I'm not saying it would have made me happy, but yeah. No, I no, no. But you could have lived without it because it wasn't a need is what you're saying. Because that's what you're yeah. saying. I just want to make yeah. sure I'm being very I, clear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I'm saying that it was, it was, a, it was a want. So okay. I say all this to say is that the thing about at least my marriage is that it has made me vulnerable in ways that are wildly uncomfortable to the way I am used to living my life. And so my husband is the first man I felt like I needed. Mm. And that is scary and terrifying because we were just talking about it. Um, this was this was based on a, a conversation he had with a friend who had uh, whose wife was going through some health challenges. And he was mm. just saying like, wow, you know, the thing about marriage is like, you never know what's around the corner. Like somebody could be sick. Somebody could, something could happen. And it's kind of terrifying, but it's also kind of exhilarating at the same time, because, you know, you have somebody that has your back, you know, they're going to be down and, and all this other stuff. But at the same time, this person has become so woven into who you are and your life that picturing life without them, you're like, oh, shit, that is just a lot to think about. So anyway, I just told him um, just last night that I just that that part was hard for me to deal with in our relationship is is starting to feel like I needed him because that's mm. not, you know, when you're a, a, a black woman out here used to providing for yourself, doing for yourself. Like, I mean, I, I, I haven't had to ask anybody for shit for a long mm -hmm. time. Right. So what do you ask him for, cause you still don't necessarily need to ask him for the material things. No, so what do no. you ask him for? No, I mean the things that I didn't realize I needed, you know, the, a level of emotional support, understanding, um, forgiveness sometimes, <laughs> uh, grace. Wait a what do you mean by that? Well, I never, be I would <laughs> you would, would never guess that yeah i would never no, i mean hey play us fuck up that's what they what do you say. mean what do you mean i'm going when i when i get closer to the microphone that means i'm going deeper and i need to understand I, what do you mean i know how you do uh black diamond <laughs> sawyer <laughs> no i know i've seen too many of your interviews and listened to too many of them to not understand how you operate so you're trying to get me carrie i see i know it's called you know getting naked and all that getting naked <laughs> taking off <Yeah>. clothes <laughs> emotional clothes <laughs> you are a fool um, <laughs> <Go on. laughs> no but what uh, what I say is that there's a lot of emotional support that I needed in ways I would not have guessed so that's why uh this is a new thing for me this is interesting mm. I love it yeah are we getting naked this enough
Yeah, because you know why? It's still uncomfortable for you to even talk about because, you know, by way of background, I feel like you like to suffer in silence. And so, and for me, that means you don't really want to share until it's all said and done. Uh, you're one of my rare friends that is going through a crisis. And then when it's over, you're like, so just so you know. <laughs> that is true. I evaded the police and a 20 year jail sentence, but that's what I was going through last week. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I will tell you, I got hit by the car after I like fully recovered. I'll be like, yeah, you're like, way. yes, well, you I thought I was going to be six months. Yeah. I thought I was paralyzed. In fact, I was, there was, there was some type, there was mild paralyzation. I made up that word. And now I'm back. Um, <laughs> So that's interesting. Here's what I think is interesting. What I've noticed as you've changed. Um, and it's not even that you've changed. Do you remember one time you and I had a conversation and this is us talking about our emotional needs and being intimate. I remember one time we had a friend and I went to her house to have dinner. And I remember telling you, she worked with us at ESP and I was like, she just acts so different around her husband. She's just so tough when he ain't around. And when he's there, she's like, whatever you say, honey, of course, of course. <laughs> and you're like, well, why not? Now, for me, that was just, that was interesting to see. I didn't understand it. Um, I had been in a relationship since I was 12 and I didn't understand it. And the person accepted me for all that I was with all my, my rudeness and all my toughness. But there is a level of respect that you need to give a man, especially a black man, especially in front of your friends in order for him made in general, but I'm talking about black men specifically, in order for him to feel valued and honored. And I didn't know that until I was like today years old or this month years old, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I always like, why is she acting different? And I would say that about my friend. I believe not that you act different, but you give your mate a level of respect that I'm not familiar with seeing between. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. So I'm all like, is. <laughs> I was like, that's interesting. No, I digest it. I don't receive it as, oh, you simping or you're doing something that, you know, you shouldn't be doing. I, you're doing, you're meeting him. You're, you're being involved. You're compromising. And that's what any kind of relationship should involve as you do with all of your friendships, by the way, not you do that with all of your friendships, right? Well, relationships. Uh um, I don't think it, it doesn't feel like a compromise because that implies that I'm giving something up. Mm. Um, I think what is probably what you're saying is something you didn't get a chance to see because when we met, I was out here single and ready to mingle. <laughs> I, was out here, I, was, no. I was in them streets when you met me. No, oh, I was. You, in, you were yes, in I was out, girl. That is shocking. Oh, were I you dating? In, Mm, I mean, <laughs> if that's what we want to call it, sure. That's what I was doing. <laughs> and the whole point is just jokes, people. Uh, the whole point. Uh, I'm trying not to give. I'm not. I'm trying. I'm trying to be able to come back to the house. I don't want Ian to get mad at me. But I, no. And let's hope he don't listen to this. Um, no. Yes, you. You were yes, dating. I was single. So you. Um, and I was coming out of a a relationship that I was in for a long time um, that ended in a dramatic fashion as they all kind of sometimes tend to do. And so I was cleansing myself from that experience. Yeah. And so when you met me, I was transitioning kind of back to my old ways. My, <laughs> if, you, if you will. My have the tables turned. When yes, you met I was, me, I was in a relationship. Yeah, that is and true. I and uh, as you look away, <laughs> I'm not looking away. I, 
this your story. This is that, your podcast that I'm telling slowly but surely. Can't give it mm-hmm. all out. And right. and and then I we got out of a relationship, and you got in a relationship, and, then I, got and in, I yeah, and I took over your ways. <laughs> Correct. I rubbed off on you. Or you rubbed off on me. Yes. So, um, so you you never got a chance to actually see me, yeah. the relationship version of me, and it's not yeah. that it's wildly <clears throat> different. It's just that when I'm single and I'm having my fun, I'm living it up because I never wanted to be it, this the type of person inside a relationship thinking about, oh, what if I'd only, oh, I wonder what that's like. Oh, I never experienced that. Like, I never wanted to be that person. So when I was single, I was single, you know? Now, and that, that's and cool. so you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. Kelly could speak to who you were before I met you and you were in a relationship with Hawaii, so... That was his name, guys. We had we had state <laughs> names for people. We had we wouldn't call anybody by their real name, just code mm-hmm. names. Because mm-hmm. it's can't code, you, names. code names. Like, is that why? Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> with that being said, you're correct. But there is this quality that where you just don't want none. You don't want to stress. You know what I'm saying? No. No, I mean, I think I like to meet people where they are as opposed mm. to me trying to change them or to make them into more of being like me or being like whatever, because I think the uniqueness of the people that I know and that I love and I care about is who they are. So like, why would I try to change that? So Mm. if I'm meeting you where you are, then I'm assessing like, okay, they, they need this from me or they need me to be this kind of friend to them because that amplifies who they are because I appreciate the beauty. And that's not compromised to you. No, because I don't feel like I'm lessening myself. I'm not becoming a totally different person. Like they know who I am and it's not, I'm not any different around them and I am other people. Now, the only thing that may be different depending on uh, what kind of relationship we have is how often I may choose to deal with you or whatnot. That might be, that might be a little different, but no, I mean, I, I like people being vibrant. I I don't want to see, I, I don't want to see people feeling like they have to be less than, and especially black women that I know, because we always mm-hmm. get told that we have to be less than. So, and by the way, not for enough. the record, <laughs> and not enough. <laughs> and for the record, you're not less than in front of your husband. You are like at, mm-hmm. at, at party mode, you at 10, you exactly where you be, you're supposed mm-hmm. to be by less, by less. I mean, just aware, like, and this is for any relationship. Like if, if, if I get booed up again, I, you can't come over and be like, remember that time when we went to Vegas in front of my, in front of my mate? I'd be like, no, nah, nigga. No, I don't remember that. Time. I don't remember that time. Well, you, you, you do want to be respectful though, Carrie. Because yeah, that's what it is. It's the level of, but that's respectful. what I was trying to say earlier. It's the level of respect that you show yeah. that people who may not have seen you in a relationship before may be unfamiliar with, but you gotta be, you gotta respect them. You have to give them their respect. Yeah, you know that better mutual. than I do. Yeah, but I think course. it's mutual too because it's not like when his friends come over, they sit around like, "Remember them hoes we met in Miami?" Like, oh, no, girl. that's not like that's not happening either. Girl. So, yeah, you, I mean, look, remember that you, time you tried to hook me up with his friend? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Gary. Oh, I'm sorry. I have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. Should I? Don't. That's a, that's what you to tell. I I didn't try to do anything. There was tape. There was tape involved. You know it. I'm at this point, Pam, I'm going to bleed the fifth because I don't know what you're talking about. I know nothing. I am Jon Snow. I know nothing. Okay. <laughs> so. Y'all, Jamel trifling. She'll have me out here. <laughs> me? I'm like, I'm not 
trifling. Jamel done found Jamel done found happiness, and she she mm-hmm. she put me in a Jamel corner with did anybody. Not encourage somebody in this conversation to jump off the cliff. Jamel did not <laughs> push one there. Okay, but I was Jamel, at a family barbecue. No, but Jamel did lie about old boy. Jamel was like, "No, he cool. He got this going on." But he is. He is cool. I like. I didn't. But that didn't mean jump off the cliff. Like I ain't tell you that. That was you, dog. You you. You, you see the way I'm looking at you? You see the way I'm looking at you? You can look at, at, at me you? all you want, but that's <laughs> not me. I ain't taking that L. <laughs> no. Your friends that have you out here, they, they living happy. They living over in the hills happy. They have you out here in the streets, man. These single streets is vicious. I mean, okay. why, how you think we gonna entertain ourselves? Because you know, <laughs> I, I, I done put my jersey in the rafters, so all I can do is is live vicariously through you. So I'm like, go ahead, Carrie, go ahead. You know, <laughs> I I feel like I'm not gonna share all of my stories, but I have some doozies. You do. Stop. They're amazing. I mean, <laughs> when you figure out a way to carefully protect identities, the, the identities, mm-hmm. it's going to be a mug. <laughs> all I gotta say. It's like when you figure out that, Oof. then the people who your listeners are going to be in for a treat. And, and, and let's just be clear. It's not like I'm out here banging people, but I do have some really crazy stories of dating. Like, I don't want everybody to think I'm banging everybody, but we, I digress. I want to talk about this. <laughs> but let it that. be known that even if you were, Carrie. My vagina is my vagina. It's, I can bang It's your vagina. You can do what you want with it. Okay. Because, but you remember, we went on a show before, Jamel and I went on a show before, and I was like, when you travel abroad, Carlos Watson asked us this, if you travel abroad, how do you feel like you're received? I was like, I feel like mm. I'm the queen of England and, and, and being sarcastic in the sense that the men abroad really, truly are very aggressive and complimentary and 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 they think you're amazing. And you remember, and you sent me... <laughs> And you sent me in our group text uh, a meme about me talking about how I said something about I have all kinds of boyfriends when I travel abroad. And you sent some really appropriate meme. Do you remember Did what I, that was? That doesn't yeah. sound like me. It sounds exactly like what, you. What, 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 what was it? It was, it, was, it was a group of black men looking with an attitude. You, oh, you right? were like, because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew once you said abroad that certain people would take this uh, and and try to figure out what you were really saying, you know, yeah. like, oh, Carrie out here uh, dating these white men. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, yeah, they always want to do that to you. I don't understand. Why but. is Ashley has comments and you were like, and the, and the women were like, ladies, get your passport. Fuck these men. <laughs> they were so rude. <laughs> I was like, why y'all always try to make it seem like Carrie out here living her monster's ball fantasy. But anyway, why? yeah. <laughs> But, but again, you, even if you if are, I was, you it's are okay. grown. Okay, but I will tell okay. you that I would be, I would, I would feel some type of way if I had to put Billy on my arm. You know what I mean? I would, I would feel as radical as I am. Like you know, I fool around maybe, but not even maybe. That's a lie. I will fool around. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're laughing too hard. I oh, will fool right. around. You're gonna excuse you. I I, I know. I will fool around me. with a white guy. How dare you? However, I just feel like you have said this to me. You don't think I would marry a white guy? Why is that? As we uh, I said that because um, 
you know, a lot of the candid conversations we, we've we had, I imagine you bringing some of them conversations home. And I'm like, mm, it's only certain audiences that can hear those conversations, right? Or they have to be a certain type of thinker, a certain type of person with a knowledge, certain knowledge base to be able to accept that. And so because of that, that's why I said I, I kind of could not see it, especially during a time where I know um, that in this moment that we're in, in this world, in this country, it's important to you, you know, to be in this fight. And so, yeah, look, I'm not trying to say that there isn't a, a white man out there that couldn't be in this fight with you. I mean, I'm sure that's possible, but I just think mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to find. There's a well, certain yeah. level of racial Unless he was adopted by black people from birth. You know what I mean? Unless he was yeah, adopted from black... Because I'll, the conversation she's saying is that I dropped the N-word. I always talk about beating somebody up. I'm ready to start the revolution. I want it televised. That's what she's talking about. I'm out here. I'm out here in these streets as angry as can be. Well, and look, I, to be honest, you know, I think that part of it, at least, and this is something that when I was dating that I always thought about too, I don't want to have to come home and have to explain. If I have to explain in my own house, then... That to me is a, a level of exhaustion I'm not trying to feel. I already got to explain to the rest of the world. When you go to work, when you just out socialize, and you always have to explain to people, this is what that mean, meant. If I got to come home and explain why the Derek Chauvin guilty verdict is signif- significant, I'm not doing that in my own house. Well, don't you not. think that's... Well, don't you think that's pretty basic? Like, I don't think any of us would get with somebody or marry someone that you'd have to explain that to. Like, that's pretty basic. But okay. explanation for Maybe. me is we at the family picnic. He goes to get some potato salad and comes back and asks, what are these? And it's chitlins. You know what I mean? That's explaining for me. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, okay. <laughs> you, that was not I mean, the scholarly response. That but was that, not the response you wanted? Okay. No, but you are right. There are some cultural differences that happen. You know, mm-hmm. be a potato salad, be a greens, be a like, you know what I'm saying? But that's, you know, that's, at least you can expose that person to, to those things, right? You can't change how they think, really. It's like, that's much harder. What happens when in the past, I don't know if you ever have, and I don't know if you even want to explain it, but what happens when you date a white guy in the past and he rubs your hair? Um, that has actually never happened to me. Which one? <laughs> um, having one rub my hair. Like, I don't know <laughs> that happened. <laughs> never happened to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I digress. Because yeah. I'm, I'm just, this is why I knew this would happen. But the, I, I wanted to talk about Black love with you. Love in general, Black men. And that's why we started off talking about you and your marriage. And it's been a beautiful thing to see. Um, and I love it. I love black love. I love the relationship. I love to see the woman you are um, and all sides of who we are as black women, because for so, for so long, people think we're so tough. And just like you said, you're like, I don't need a man. To me, that's like the toughest lie we've ever told ourselves. I do believe that's a lie. We don't need a man to complete us or make us or be different. We don't need a partner to do any of those things because that's where the, the contentness with self comes in. But we do need mates. I do believe God created mates for a reason. Soulmates, helpmates, whatever you want to call them. How exhausting is it when you're single? And while you may not think about it then, but when you were, was it exhausting? Um, I don't know if exhausting would be the right word for it because I was thinking about this one day when I 
thought about the entire scope of my relationship history, I actually spent the majority of it in relationships. And that, that was actually a surprising revelation because it felt like I spent the majority of it single. But I was like, no, I actually spent it in relationship. Now, see, what I had to deal with, and this is where this conversation that we're having about need comes into play, is that, you know, I had a upbringing in which my mother had me at 18. So I got to see her at points when she was single. And I also got to see her in some very disastrous relationships. And I think because of the way she processed relationships and the things she told me, that set me up to how I began to process how I wanted my relationships to be. And my mother is somebody who never trusted men. And with good reason. She's the... Um, She's a uh, she's a rape survivor. Um, you know, she's been victimized by multiple men. And so because of that, her entire dialogue with me when it came to men was don't trust them. And t that was really the long and short of it. A lot of conversations in between, but that was the ultimate message. Even if you marry one, don't trust them. And I'm like, well, what's the point of being married? <laughs> right. That kind of like if I have to have my guard up literally all the time. That is the exhausting part. So once I became of dating age and started to go through my own relationships, I would only let men get so close. That's mm -hmm. why being single felt like a good default position for me. Because even those that I was in a relationship with, sometimes long ones. I mean, I was in a nine-year relationship. And even that person was only able to get too close. And we lived together. So this is why I said that this... The right... Yeah, this relationship, this marriage that I'm in now is the first time I have been completely vulnerable with another person. Yeah. So, wow. How scary is that? Uh, it's terrifying sometimes because um, and that's what I mean about being, you know, sometimes how you're conditioned not to need somebody. I mean, I know that I hear black men say that all the time about black women. Like, y'all just don't think y'all need anybody. I think the way they want to be needed versus what we need, that's where the we're on Talk different pages. What's, what's yeah, the different page? What's the difference? I think, because I think, you know, men have been taught that their love language is provision, right? And so, as you know, there's a lot of black women out here with degrees, careers, jobs. Like, we out here providing for ourselves. We don't need you for that. And I think because that's such a tangible and easy way for men to show their affection by buying you things, by providing that when we don't need that, they're kind of like, well, I don't get what else. But they don't understand that if you just give a black woman a place to rest, and by rest, I mean mentally rest, that is literally enough. Do we do that for jobless. them, though? Do we do that we for do them? I had yeah. a conversation with, with our mutual friend, Charlemagne, and he was saying he got on the phone with a bunch of his black men friends who were like, black women just be so hard on us, and the baby mamas just be so hard on us, and they always fussing and fighting with us. There is a true disconnect between black men and black women in relationships and it's sad here's and I, and I want to know what you think about this because I don't know if we give that to them I think I do but I think because we are so I'm referring to my own experience because we we operate at such a threshold and we move so quickly and we have so much going on and we can do make it seem like we can do it all which we cannot we require them to meet us somewhere right and usually that forces them to to meet us a little bit above, right? Then what I guess they want to give, the effort that they want to give. That's how I see it. The effort isn't a lot. Sometimes they just don't want to do it. It feels like a lot to them. 
So where is the disconnect between the two, in your opinion, black men and black women? Well, we both have to be really self-aware and really cognizant of the different levels of trauma we're bringing into the relationship before we even know each other, meet each other, the trauma of not just where we come from, how we were raised, but the trauma of just being black. You know, these are two different experiences in this country, being a black woman, being a black man, and we're bringing that together. And sometimes it's volatile. And I think, I, I would agree with you. Like, I, I do think that there is a level in which black, black women are very hard on black men, partly because our expectation level is so high. You know, we want them to be their very best. And sometimes we feel like the way to do that is just by staying on their ass. And sometimes they don't need that from us. They don't need us to re-raise them. They don't need us to remother them. And we can give them that, that energy because we're used to having that relationship with them. So, uh, I mean, I would just say that I think the disconnect is that we don't know how to process each other's needs very well. I was saying this today on, on Instagram this uh Steve Harvey he has some comments about black men and black women or women and men and women being friends period and it is it feels like it makes the rounds every 6 months he said this back in 2010 so this is not new but i actually posted this comment on um a, a, another instagram page and i said you know what i don't think men understand that when they say that that they can't be friends with us how hurtful that actually is because what you're telling me is that the only use i have to you is if i'm screwing you or mothering you like there is nothing else that that means that you can't see who I fully am as a person that you can't relate to me because I can't provide some function for you. And I think men don't also understand that that's an insult to them. That's saying that you can't think outside of what's in your pants. That's what it's wait, telling wait. you. So are you seeing Steve Harvey said that, but is he saying you can't be friends with someone you're attracted to if you're a black man? No, he's just saying men and women can't be friends, period. Like, okay, because well, he feels like the, yeah. the attraction will ruin it. Right. That, that if, point, if there is an attraction, though, if there's no attraction, yeah, can but, we still but be I, friends? Sure. But I think he's generally just saying that this is not a good dynamic. Now, I'm, where I'm going with this is this, is that I think if black men and black women were better friends, if we were actually friends, this would help in how we relate and deal with each other. Because I see black men give their friends a level of grace and understanding that they don't give us. Yeah. Right. And Yo. we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We give well, we our give friends. But we well, no, we give, that's not true. I, well, we give them so know. much fucking grace. We give them so much fucking grace. <laughs> we give them a lot of grace. That is we, true. Yeah. Right? You could cheat on me all day. I'm not referring to me, but we bring y'all back <laughs> in the fold. You want to hold $5? Not me, but yeah. I know this story. Like we give them so much grace. Like you well, and I support have, is the right word. We don't. Okay. We, sometimes. <clears throat> I mean, we generally, because it's just in our nature to be caretakers, whether we want to be or not. You're right. You're right. But but we don't maybe provide the same level either of emotional investigation or emotional support to our male, you know, be it our relationship partners, just our friends that we do to, you know, the, the mm -hmm. women that are in our lives. Mm -hmm. So my point is this is like I actually encourage men and women to friendships because i think mm -hmm. that's how we see the empathy and the understanding in each other because it's not because then if you take the sex part and it's not about who's fucking and who's not okay then it's like i have to get to know you on some level but friendship requires vulnerability which black men have a hard time giving and black women have a hard time getting so that is where the rub is 
it's easy yeah. for us to be vulnerable with our friends. And even sometimes like I used to, when you know, it took us years for us to be vulnerable. I was being tough girl for, with you. I want to be your friend. So imagine me trying to be vulnerable with someone that I don't know in a friendship that I find attractive. I think that's difficult and vice versa. And even when you're in a it relationship, is. especially when you're in a relationship with a black man, it's really hard for them to, I had Anthony Hamilton on the podcast. He goes, we just sometimes just want to cry. We just want to well, I was like, well, name me one, like find me one that just comes home and cries. And was like, today was a hard day. Yeah. And then but we don't make it easy. For yeah, I was about to say. And then when they do do, do that, that, yeah, do we, do we run away from that emotional vulnerability and think, oh boy, you're crying in my lap. I don't, I don't, oh God, do I have to pay all the bills this week? Like I'm being silly, but you see what I'm saying? Like I do. something is removed from that. I was in a relationship for a very long time with a man who was very vulnerable and, and it came across very weak to me at times because I was still too tough. And I didn't understand that that would be the key to a lasting or healthy relationship because I never saw vulnerability growing up. You and I have discussed over and over our relationships with our parents and our mothers more specifically, and even our fathers for that matter. Do you believe that outside of us being friends with black men first, with no attraction involved, although, although there may be some there, do you believe that we can just jump to vulnerability culturally? I think it's very hard because we have, we've had to have this tough exterior just because of the way the world is and the way the world weaponizes our blackness against us. Uh, it doesn't allow us a lot of spaces to be vulnerable, which is why my message to a lot of black men is that the biggest thing you can do for black women is give us that space to be vulnerable because I promise you. And what does that look like way. though? Um, I think it, you know, the, the one thing that I, I can say about my own relationship, one of the things that I love is that as you know, Carrie being an entrepreneur and you have to make 7,000 decisions in a day, right? <laughs> 7,000 decisions in a day. I don't want to feel that way in my relationship. Like I'm mm. the one making all the decision. And so it feels easy, easy for me if I can just breathe a little bit and frankly allow him to take control on certain things. Um, or if not a lot of things and know that everything is going to be okay to know that I can relax around him mm -hmm. um, and not have to feel like this is another entity in my life. I have to run. So <laughs> That part to me is worth it in itself. And that part to you is being vulnerable, them making all the decisions, your, your mate making no, the decisions. No, not just making all the decisions. Um, the other part too is like, I'm a big, you know, everybody knows the whole love language thing. So mine is acts of service, right? Right. So I, I will get, I mean, you know, I, I love, yeah, every woman loves expensive gifts and that's great. But you know what would be great for me if you took my car in to get serviced and I didn't have to do it. Right. Like, right. That, that would be amazing. Right. I'm in love. I mean, right. So, and it's yeah. just little things to know that I'm, I can relate to that more than ever. Now that I bought a house, I'm like, can somebody just come over here with a fucking <laughs> screwdriver and put this, saying. put this chair up and put this fucking, this picture up. God damn it. I would love you if you could come over here and I don't have to pay you to put this goddamn picture up. Right. See, <laughs> child, let me tell you, it's just been so many times. I'm like, thank God I'm married. Cause I could have never done this all by myself. Go on and take uh, this trash out. I don't feel like it. Damn it. See. And, but you know what? That, that in itself provides a, a mental peace or to yep. just um, allow me to just be ridiculously emotional for no apparent reason, you uh -huh. know, because 
I'm having either a tough day or a tough week. And by emotional like means on. what? You got an attitude, you shut down, you do all of the above. Um, or sometimes you just might need just like, you know, a good cry, you know, cause mm-hmm. uh, you know, had this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a cry. I was like, I was like, know? I've never, I've never seen those salty things come out of your eyeballs, yeah, but know, tell me what but, happens. I, but honestly, in this, in our relationship, I have cried more in this relationship than I ever have in any relationship. Like it's not even close. Like it's not, oh, I even, love it. I yeah. Love it. I mean, and, and not just it. because something sad is happening. Like I, I remember, I had a, a, I wouldn't call it a breakdown, but like I just had a mini, a mini moment when um, I think when we first got married, uh, it was after the honeymoon, but in the first few months. And I told him, I was just like, oh, I just feel like I'm failing at this wife thing. Like, this is just a lot. And he just laughed. He was like, what are you talking about? Because I have such a high, you know, not just a high standard, but it's like, I don't, I don't fail at things. So it's like, if I don't do everything, like what I consider to be just right, then that shit just sends me into, you know, into where, as you said, that I'm suffering in silence. I'd be like, you know, sitting there, like the whole world falling apart inside my mind, (laughs) but I'm not expressing that necessarily. And so when I finally told him that, and it was over something, you know, small, he was just like, you're amazing. Like, I don't know why you would ever think that. Do you remember before you got married and you came to me? (laughs) Oh, I know what you're about to say. <laughs> know what you're about to say. You know what, Carrie? This is why I can't stand you. Go, go ahead. But this, but this goes back to you feeling like you don't want to fail and you want to get it right. And I loved your heart for this. It was so cute. I, I by way of background, she's the big sister. She's the emotional touchstone. She's the person you go to for advice. And she came to me and was like, "I just don't know because I'm gonna have to tell all of my secrets." And I was like, "To who?" <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, can we just can we just talk about your advice for a minute? Go ahead, tell her my advice. The, the, she, the wonderful advice you have given me over the years, which my is dog, really terrible my advice, dog. but it actually winds up being good advice. At the time, I'm like, this doesn't sound right at all. But then later on, I'm like, damn, she was right though. <laughs> My dog felt like she had to write down every past situation from every past circumstance <laughs> and lay it all out before you walk down out. And I was like, well, who told you that? You, <laughs> you were like, because. Were like, That's not a good idea. I, <laughs> That's not- I was like, but Carrie, they, it's supposed to be built on a foundation of, and you were like. Bullshit. You were like, That's silly. Like, Starting oh. from the moment you guys say I do. Yeah, of course. But, but it's you're like shit. that before. It's some shit that mofos can't handle because especially men, like it's some things they just don't need to know about your past. And same for me. I know because I'm built like a man that way. I don't need to know about Sheila, Felicia, Angela, Renee. You know what I mean? Or I don't need to know about whatever happened whenever it happened. If it doesn't currently affect me, I need to live in bliss. And then moving forward, (laughs) you need to live in bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Was I wrong though? Was I wrong? um, so I know I you disagree. I know you disagree. I will say this. Go yes, ahead. I will say this is that I think, but I, I look, I can't, it's funny because like, I agree and disagree with you at the same time, because I've certainly had that situation before where, um, uh, you know, in a previous relationship, a truth was exposed. And afterwards I was like, this didn't help nobody. Like it just, it just really didn't. I was like, this didn't really help nothing. Okay. Because if you did not cheat on said spouse or if it doesn't affect them, if it doesn't affect the current situation, then there it's you go. like, let's get, let's get into the parameters and the specifics. What's the point? Why are you getting What's that off point? your chest? 
Yeah. Right. But the other part, though, I do see um, having experienced the upside of this is that there is a level of growth and closeness that does happen with the right person. There you go. If, you're right. Yeah. You're right. No, yeah, you're right. It does happen. It does happen. You, and, I think, and by the way, I'm speaking about evolved people. Like you, the person knows if their mate can handle it. The person knows right. if their mate can evolve with the information. You know right away if you say this, it, it may not help. Well, yes and no, though. Be well, what, what, at least what I discovered was that, um, you know, even though you may be past certain relationships that you've had, it still leaves a mark on you. And what I saw myself doing, and I never thought I was this person, is that previous relationship traumas, I was definitely projecting onto my own one own relationship and like what which well I mean I think that what you just talked about like that whole the whole trust thing is like I've been with a very insecure man before and the lessons I learned from that were unhealthy ways to deal with somebody who's insecure number one you shouldn't be with somebody who's insecure and I know we all have a little bit of insecurity so I'm not talking about the the normal amount of insecurity we all have I'm talking about a significant amount of insecurity and dealing with that um it really changed my pattern in a relationship and I didn't realize it until you know it kind of got exposed and so I was just like dang I didn't even realize this had become a habit mm. I was just you know, used to not giving somebody the benefit of doubt or used to not mm. trusting them or used to not doing this because mm -hmm. this person taught me how to do that. Mm -hmm. And whether we realize it or not, when we're in relationships, the other person we're in there with is teaching us how to do something. And that could be good or bad. 1, and I picked up, yeah. And I picked up a lot of bad habits from them. Mm -hmm. And then I had the opposite happen to me in another relationship where that person was holding some major secrets from me. And when I found out, it was just like, well, who the fuck have I been with? You know, it makes you question. Do I know who that, that person? person is? You do know this person. It makes me question. It made me question who they were totally. And so did it make you question who you were? Have you ever yeah. been? Okay. I, I'm asking yeah. you questions. I know the answers to, but just bear with me here. Have you ever been with someone and you found out everything you thought was real was not? And then what does that say about you? I don't care about them. But what does that say about you? Well, that's what we deal with as women, right? Because when we make a, a relationship mistake, we immediately go and point the finger at ourselves. Like, how did you not know better? Like, why were you so stupid? Like, we beat well, ourselves Well, I'm not up, even saying how did I not know better. It's like, what am I attracting? Why did I make that choice? I'm not even looking at it like shame on you, Carrie. I'm asking, and I'm currently asking myself that because, you know, I've been on and off with someone for a long time. And I choose heartbreak because I want to change my focus and I'm tired of dealing with that person in that way. And so what is it about me that says I choose that person? What is the insecurity that keeps me there or kept me there? And more importantly, why do I continue to find myself attracted to this cycle? When I already know how it's going in. Yeah, right. You've seen the story before, or seen how the movie ends. Um, so the next statement I say is going to really shock you. I'm a control freak, Carrie. <laughs> Let me hang up. This is crazy. <laughs> Let me brace guys, yourself. Jamel is a control freak, guys. I'm a control freak. That's crazy. 
That's so good. Wow. I know. Such a You're getting very but emotionally naked. Go ahead. You did not know about me, right? But I'm not a control freak in the way I think that people kind of envision control freaks. Like, I'm not uh-huh. trying to master every situation. I don't need to be uh-huh. the center of attention. Like, not in that way. I'm a control freak with relationships in that I need to figure out a way to control the outcome of what's happening. And what I was doing is, at least in my last re- my last relationship, the final one I'll ever have, um, I uh, I put myself in a position where I was the authority in that relationship mm-hmm. because it was a safe space for me mm-hmm. because I felt like I could control that because I didn't want to be vulnerable. So I'm like, oh, okay, so... You know, I'll be the backbone of this relationship. I'll be the breadwinner of this relationship because it gave me control. And I didn't realize that I was doing that to protect myself. And so that's why, you know, one of the many reasons the shit blew up in my face, you know, because it was just like, oh, okay. I needed to understand that I don't need to be in control of the relationship. Um, I'm doing some soul searching now. That's very helpful for me. In the sense that, yeah, duh, I'm a control freak too. No, no surprise there, but, um, and probably in the ways in which you are not, but I'm asking myself, what is it that feels safe and familiar and is the safe and familiar what I need? I've been so, thank God, um, I had some really good friends who helped me jump off the cliff in 2020. And why don't I just take that leap emotionally too with relationships? If I did it professionally, why not emotionally? You know what I mean? That shit is harder though. That shit's harder. Like that, I like walking away from ESPN was easy in comparison to walking away from the carry that I think I know in a relationship. Does that make sense to you? It does. So to put you on the couch on your own podcast. Please do. do Why do you think you're struggling with um, vulnerability in, in relationships? Um. I just like everybody else. I don't want to be hurt. So, but I end up getting hurt anyway. <laughs> so it don't matter. <laughs> so it's like, let the so shit go. The plan's not working. <laughs> the plan is not working. And I'm referring to, and then a lot of the things that we talked about um, from my last relationship, I don't forgive myself. It's almost like I'm giving myself an emotional punishment so that I can really go through the hard parts to say, okay, I pushed through all the tough stuff. Now I deserve this. Now I deserve goodness. Now I deserve love. Now I deserve it this way. I always tell you that. I was like, you are just horribly hard on yourself in a way. Too hard. Too hard. Undeserved. Mm -hmm. Um, With that being said, I think that has a lot to do with how we grew up and our trauma. But most recently, I think that another reason why I wanted you on the show was because you know, we learn a lot from our friends. Like our friends teach us a lot. You've taught me a lot. And I think I'm never not learning from what you do and what you, and what I think you shouldn't do. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Say, and vice versa. Like it, it works both Say, ways. It, it works both ways. You're like, Carrie, you should have did that shit. I ain't gonna do that. Yeah, or Carrie, okay, cool. I'm with yes. it. You have saved and, me from, from some lessons or saved yeah. me from some harsh lessons. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, we got to pay some bills. I'm getting in Jamel's business when we come back. More naked after the break. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. 
They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair pl- I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or, like, put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion. Hey everybody, welcome back to Naked. Uh, we got more Jamel Hill here giving us all of that truth serum that we got to be ready for. I hope you've enjoyed that first half. The second half, well, 
This is when we put on our marching boots. Okay? Y'all ready? Let's go. Most recently, and this is, I'm taking our, our text to, to, to podcast, you and I disagreed with wording for Derek Chauvin. You called it accountability. I thought it was some form of justice. I think that I talked about it in my last podcast about Derek Chauvin and the sense that the reason why it felt, and maybe justice wasn't the right word when you think about it in, in all of its glory was, but the reason why I felt relief was because I was legitimately concerned about what we would do as a people. The same way Regina King was like, look, was it Hall? It wasn't King. Who was no, it? it was King, Regina King. You're right. God, Because, you know, remember that that text we sent to each other? Okay, I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> yeah, bro. no, you said it right, Regina King. Yeah, <laughs> so I honestly felt like if, if the officer was guilty, I was going to be like, fuck everybody. Or not guilty, rather. Yeah, not guilty. I was going to be like, fuck everybody. Mm. Like, seriously. Right. I was ready to be like, fuck you, everybody. More specifically, white people, forgive me. Not in that way, but just all you racist people are about to get this business. And I was concerned about what would happen to our country, our world for that matter, if there wasn't some form of the word justice. And you said, it's not justice, it's accountability. Explain. So everything you felt, I felt the same thing, is that um, I think probably when you were having conversations, I imagine with a lot of your friends leading into the verdict, a lot of us expressed a lot of fear that even though we felt the evidence was pretty clear cut, there was still this fear that sat in the pit of our bellies that this system may let us down again, again. And in a way, even though we've seen it, we saw it with Rodney King, we've seen it with a number of other Breonna Taylor, number Trayvon of Martin, other, go on Trayvon Martin. We've seen it before, but this did feel different. And maybe it's just because of the conversations that happened as a result of what happened to George Floyd and the entire racial reckoning in this country, it felt like this was the one we all agreed on for lack of a better way to put it. Like this was some repugnant shit. But the reason why I didn't say it was justice is because justice is a system that does not treat black people the way the criminal justice and policing system in America treats us. That system is broken. American policing is completely broken. And I mm -hmm. hope people understand that. Mm -hmm. Having an outcome like Derek Chauvin doesn't change the fact that the system is broken. It just means an outlier happened. Mm -hmm. And when you start to think about what it took to get this mm -hmm. officer convicted, it's a lot. It took a video. It took fellow police officers not actually testifying for him it took a it took summer of racial reckoning it took a summer of division it it split parents and families apart husbands and wives were divided we had the entire nation if not the world paid attention that's what it took it took all of that for one verdict that should have been obvious right mm -hmm. i mean i know that's part of our due process so i get it but that does that's not justice that's a glitch in the matrix. Um, justice is that there should be no George Floyd. Justice is that George Floyd should be here. Um, the accountability part is the part that makes sense in this. It's that you murdered a human being in broad daylight on the street. Everybody saw it. Yeah. And now you're going to jail. That's yeah. the consequence for your action. That's not justice. So 
and I guess because of the faultiness of the system in its Yeah, I was going to say, but the hard. whole that's system. That's why it was hard for me to say that. But the whole system is broken. We need a new quote mm -hmm. unquote justice system. Maybe we need an entire new word for what we think law enforcement is or what justice is because it doesn't look like what we know. Like it looks no, because, nothing like what we should know rather. Well, and then look at what's happened since the verdict. I mean, there are so many cases right now of black people being killed by the police. It's like, you can't even keep up. I mean, that was always the case, but especially after it, we went from right from that to Makia Bryant, right, right from that. Like we didn't even have a chance. As it to, was happening. As it, as was, it happening. was happening. Yeah. The, the, I mean, we didn't even have a chance to even process that verdict. And then here we go again. And now it feels like we're back to square one. And so that's why it can't be, justice can't come from a bad system. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, my fear, and I think it's probably historically pretty proven and it's a layout of the future. We're not gonna do the work to do what we gotta do. We're just not, as mean? a country, we're not ready to do that. Is that we're not ready to completely deconstruct how we think about policing. Like this reform shit is just a word. Like reform's not gonna cut it. You cannot reform what happened to George Floyd. You can't reform what's happening in North Carolina right now. You can't reform what's happening with Makia Bryant. We've tried that. You know the old adage, mm -hmm. you keep doing what you're doing, you're gonna keep getting what you're getting. Mm -hmm. Okay, they've done put more they put more officers in the street. They have more black and brown officers. The system itself is rotten because mm -hmm. it was created to oppress us. And yeah. as long as that is the goal of the system or has been, sure. the system is going to work as designed. Again, Derek Chauvin was the glitch in the matrix. He wasn't the way the shit works. And so when I heard so many people say, oh, this is proof the system works. No, it was proof the system had a bad day because that's not how the system actually works. Mm -hmm. How it works is Philando Castile. How it works is Trayvon Martin. Derek Chauvin is not how it works. And so thinking of it from that standpoint, that's why I was like, yeah, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to be excited about some shit that should have happened anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Did you feel relief? I felt relieved because just like you, I feared what would this collectively do to black people from a spirit standpoint. Here's the crazy thing. As much as, you know, black people, we talk our shit. We, you know, we so we, damn fragile. We, we so damn fragile. Listen, but not we so that, damn fragile. And in the sense of you said spirit, that would break our spirit. If you're it telling would. me nine minutes and 29 seconds can't get a conviction in any capacity, that would have broke our spirit. Not that we wouldn't so, have been resilient, but it would have broke our fucking spirit. What people don't understand about our people, we Tell are me. hopelessly in love with this country. Hopelessly. Because we because built this motherfucker for free. We not only built it, our blood, our sweat, our entire DNA is baked into this country. But when you think about what unconditional love really means, black people have shown this country unconditional love. Why? And not just because we built it, because we actually are foolish enough to believe those words that are on the Statue of Liberty about bring me your tired, bring me your poor, bring me your hungry. We believe that shit. That shit in the Constitution, we actually but, believe it. But Jay, why? What is it about us? I'm asking genuinely from your opinion. What is it about our culture? What is it about our, our ancestors, descendants of slaves? Why do we feel like there is hope, that there will be a better tomorrow, that we actually will one day see equality? We have to believe it because otherwise everything we've done for this country, everybody that was brutalized, every family that was broken up, 
every level of atrocity that happened to us in this country will have meant nothing. We have to believe there's something on the other side of this. It's what kept Harriet going. It's what kept Sojourner going. It's what kept Shirley Chisholm going. Coretta Scott King, Fannie Lou Hamer. It's what kept them all going. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. It's that idea is what kept them going. If there's nothing on the other side of it, then what the fuck we've been doing for 500 years? But what it's if like, there isn't? What what if there is nothing? We can't afford side? to think that way because otherwise we will give up. And the one thing that is not coded in our DNA is giving up, even though every possible road sign sometimes tells us to do this and sometimes tells us to throw up a middle finger to this country. We're the only ones interested in holding this fucking country accountable. We're the only one interested in seeing it live up to this whole idea of freedom and liberty and justice and equality for all. We are the ones we're the real Americans, to be honest, us and the indigenous people in this country. It's us. All right. Cause Where we're we the ones that, that believe from? that shit. I Where mean, we it's get that from? because it's passed down. I know it's in our DNA, but as you say this in my mind, I'm all like, fuck it. I mean, but I'm not, I want to say it. I want to say right. it and I want to believe it, but I don't believe it. Cause I do believe, I do believe that I just have hope. I don't know what I believe, but I just have hope. And that's been exactly. who we have been before the beginning of time and who our ancestors are. I just feel as if before the beginning of time doesn't make any sense, but just who we are before we're even born. It's just in our DNA. But the reality is, if I'm honest with you, which which I'm sure you feel this, it is, I'm tired. Like I'm tired, I have zero tolerance. Everyone's tired. So what do you do when you're tired? You take breaks. Fine, we take breaks and we get back in it again. But when, when, not that you know the answer to this, but when is there relief in sight? When do we really start walking into a room and telling people, quite frankly, I don't want to talk about corporate social justice. I don't want to, I don't want to make racism okay. I don't want to make white people feel okay about racism. I don't want to laugh at your ridiculous jokes. I don't think it's funny. I want to talk about it and be unapologetic about it. I feel like we are unapologetic, but we always know it comes with a consequence. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I'll just say this. We see progress is slow and it's often painful. Hmm. We are, despite the fact that on a daily, if not hourly basis, we are often reminded of how far we have to go. But when we sit and think about it, we actually have come a long way. Well, tell me, where, where have we come from? Shit. Well, I mean, I know, I, I know at least at the, at the very least, we're not drinking out of separate water fountains anymore. So that's helpful. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Be, okay. That's a little helpful, so, I would say. All right. I mean, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you yeah, for that. I mean, and, and this is not to say that I'm still getting followed around at Gucci stores. I'm still getting followed around when I go that to shop at expensive stores. But you can't cuss them out now. And yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I cussed you them, them out yesterday. Out I told that See bitch to back saying? off. You're right. See you're right. Go saying? ahead. You're right. Because hey, back in the day, not. we couldn't. You're right. Because back in the day, we couldn't cuss them out. First of all, back in the day, we couldn't be in the Gucci store. We couldn't afford just, the Gucci store. They didn't want us in there. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me get my hat right as I explain this. Go on. We couldn't be in the Gucci store whether we had money or not, yeah. right? So there is freedoms that we have fought very hard for, bled for, died for, that we have now that our ancestors could never have imagined, right? The the Frederick Douglass could never have imagined there would be a Barack Obama, <laughs> right? That could never have happened, right? And, and you know why he, and, and we had, 
Ta-Nehisi on the show, and he said the reason why Barack Obama was president, our first black president, because he had an unbelievable hope in white people. He believed in good, and he didn't he did. think that there was depravity in them, and that is why he was the first black president. Because he that DNA, that that hope in our DNA that you discuss is what he had, and he believed it, and it was palpable. But you need that. You need we need a few of us as hardened as we are and as much as we sometimes get, you know, our teeth kicked in by this country, mm-hmm. you do need people who have that belief. Cause otherwise, what are we doing if we don't? I mean, Shit, everybody I don't doesn't, know. I mean, yeah, I mean, Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had that belief. He believed we could be better, which is why. Yeah, he but he started getting, but he started getting radical quote unquote in their opinion. And he that's did. why it was like, yo, we got to take him out. Because he now up here, he know. That's why they didn't want us to read. Okay, wait. (laughs) See, the goal of this was not to make us angrier. I know. Let me stop. (laughs) Let me stop. Okay, so here's my, here's my, I have two more things and then I'm going to let you go because I push past. Mm -hmm. Who are you texting? I'm texting nobody. I was actually, I was trying to find this great movie line that I was going to add to our conversation because I was like, okay, give it to me. But I didn't find it yet. So it was something about unconditional love that I could have sworn was said in the movie. Um, the Mexican with Julia Roberts and Brad Pitt. I used to love that movie. Talk to me about it because we out here living our best black lives. And- <laughs> I just, I can't find the quote, but I, I'm sure. Because she asked him something about unconditional love or he asked her and he was like, well, how do you know? Something like, how do you know when you're out of unconditional love or whatever? And he was like, you don't. The answer is never. The answer is never when it comes we're to Never out love. of unconditional love. So you telling me we're going to love this country in spite of what oh, has happened. Oh, this is what it was. This is what it was. It was my man, James Gandolfini, a.k.a. Okay. Um, Tony Soprano. Okay. He said, when two people okay. love each other, really love each other, but they just can't get it together, when do you get to the point where enough is enough? And Julia Roberts said, never. And I was like, ooh, that's something. I had to think about it. But sometimes you do feel like enough is enough, but you always go back. Exactly. So with us, that's why I said it's 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 not insulting is not even the word for it. But when people question the patriotism of black people, I find that to be one of the most offensive things you could ever say to us, because I'm like, let me get this straight. Who else would at times where um, our own civil rights in this country were not were, were a myth, would still go out and fight for this country, still go out and compete for this country, mm-hmm. we have laid it on the line with no promise of anything ever. That is real patriotism. Real patriotism is not storming the punk ass capital. That's not patriotism, right? Because we can't wear, because <laughs> we don't want to wear a mask and we feel like people are right because over. you don't want to wear a mask and my body, my choice. Like, sit the fuck down. That's not patriotism, right? We know what patriotism is. And so that's why. I know it feels sometimes like we're giving into a, a empty bottomless well that is never going to return it. And will it return it? What we've given to it? Probably not. I don't think at this point it can honestly, but the reason we keep trying is because we feel so invested in this country because our spirit is in it. Our bodies are in it. And I don't mean physically, bodies baked into the ground. Our essence is completely cooked in the DNA of America. That's a great visual, right? Because 
thinking about the fact that we get up day in and day out, go to the job, not us per se, but go to a job we can't stand because <laughs> we told them to kiss our ass. Go to a job you can't stand. Um, work for people who don't like you and you know they don't like you, but you have to tolerate them. Um, be considered less than when you're better than in every aspect of the way. We, for whatever reasons, which you just so eloquently explained, have this unconditional love and enough is never enough because we know that there is some reward. And I don't know what the reward is though, Jay. That's what I'm struggling with right now, especially at this time. There is a reward. There is a, um, there is joy. Where is it? We know it's there and we have joyful moments, but where is it? I take all this trauma, I take all this pain, I take all this hurt and I still press on and I still get up and I still struggle and I still fight and I still am disrespected and underpaid and overworked. But we do it because not outside of the circumstances of just taking care of our family, the most basic shit, where is the joy? I think the joy is knowing that despite all the difficult things or the things that are in our lives that make our missions more difficult than they need to be, um, the joy, I think, is in when we get to those moments where we get to do something, create something that, frankly, our ancestors could have never imagined. Mm. And the, the, the truth of it is that, you know, every time that you grace a television screen, the fact that you have this podcast, um, the mm -hmm. fact that you were excellent at ESPN for so many years, um, you have to think about say somebody, you know, the generation before us, like Robin Roberts and what it was like for her when she was at ESPN, <laughs> much different world than when you we were there. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's not no matter how, anything. and by the way, Robin, Robin, her is a first and that was joy in itself and no telling what she dealt with and no telling what we dealt with, but you're right. There is some joy in that. There is joy in do you remember, and I have to add this, we got this message on social media once. A guy was watching, won't stick to sports. He says, I'm watching it with my mom and she can't believe two black women on TV talking about white people this way. She's like, are they gonna get in trouble? <laughs> but that's joy. The joy is that on our TV show, we we literally drank out of mugs that said white tears on yeah. them. Like, that's, that should give you joy. Carrie, we, I did shots of Hennessy on our show. All right. Yo, that is she's a Jay's a Jay's a real one. She did shots of Hennessy. I did shots of wine. She a real one. Thank she you. A real one. When you, when you real think one. about, I mean, I know when we're doing it, it's a labor of love, and it seems like, oh my god, like what else could happen? What else could go wrong? But the fact is <laughs> that we used to get on TV and frankly talk about white people so bad. <laughs> So bad. Just so bad. So, so, you know so bad. So but, badly. but, and, and, and here's what the funny part is, is that. And just say whatever the fuck we wanted to. I mean, like. Well, but it was, but it was educated and it was funny yeah. and it was, and it was, and it, it was, was never without thought. It was never without thought. And I do want to say this as we, as we go in, I think we have lived in a world, we black people have lived in a world where we're so cautious about what we say and what we really feel. And we can only say it behind closed doors. I think we need to normalize talking about um, inequality in a way that can be palpable and, and digestible. The selective outrage that we hear is so disgusting. 
and I used the Jake Paul incident. You know, I had to go there. Like, <laughs> our, our favorite friend. Our favorite friend. He's a superstar now in the sports world. But this this guy has committed so much disrespect, but it's completely overlooked that he's yeah. used the N-word however many times, appropriated the culture. But yet and still, we're wrong for asking him that question. These are the same people that are in your DMs who have no problem with Breonna Taylor being murdered inside of her home or Derek Chauvin sitting on someone's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. To me, what we do is still gracious and merciful. Like we don't do it with the intent to ask for revenge or demand something that we know we quite frankly won't get like reparations. What we do is tell stories and we laugh so we don't cry because it's not one day, especially within these past three weeks that I have not wanted to cry or not held back my tears over the state of a country that we live in that doesn't respect us because we are a little darker than they are. Like if you think about it just that simply, it's just that simple. I got more sun than you, so I don't matter as much. I have more melanin than you, so I don't get to vote. My opinion doesn't matter. I have a vagina, so I'm considered not as smart. This country is fucked. And if we don't stay being as loud and proud as we are and being unapologetic about what's wrong in a very, I believe, thoughtful, funny, that's subjective <laughs> way. Clearly. It, yeah, <laughs> clearly proved. as Jake Paul proved, <laughs> subjectively. <laughs> I just believe there's so much nuance about who we are as a people. Like we can clearly make these jokes and be like, I'm a data black man or I'm a data white man. And I can't, I look, I feel like I'm damned if I do damned if I don't. You Do you ever feel that way? <laughs> yeah, like we can, definitely. We, we can be a writer and be out here and I want freedom for my people, but let me show up with a blonde man with blue eyes at the family Oh, you're going to be a biscuit eating mammy then. What about all the work I done did here in the streets? None of that matters. I don't care about that. No. But yet and no. still, you you tell me to find my joy, which I am having a hard time finding. Well, well you just have to find it in little spaces. And, <laughs> and, and just, I didn't say it was in big spaces. I just said that it's there, right? And so I've learned to do that, though, too, because sometimes when you think about the world and the totality of problems, especially in this country, it can get overwhelming and you can get you can go to 90 real fast just thinking about it. Um, as you, and there are many days where I think about it just like you do, like, ain't this a bitch? Like, I'm mad as hell, and it ain't even 10 a.m. And I'm like, how am I this angry? So what I try to do is just take a step back. Log off. And, and not just log <laughs> off, but just appreciate little successes. Like, you know, I mean, just you are talking about our profession, and I was saying, like, there are black women in our business and black women at home who never imagined that two black women could have a show like the kind of show that we have on Vice. Like, never thought that was even possible. I get the same joy when I see Malika Andrews pop, pop up on the screen. I'm just like, mm -hmm. damn, she out here doing her thing. And I just, With her brains. So, thank you. And I'm just mm -hmm. so proud. Or even like Brown Girl's Dream, that should give you the joy. It does mm -hmm. give you the joy. Mm -hmm. You are changing these young women's lives. They are forever different mm -hmm. because they came in contact with you and what you've exposed them to. And right now, because these systems are just so loyal to white supremacy, or I don't know if it's white supremacy is loyal to these systems, we have to be able to take the joy in the lineage, making the lineage different, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm just trying to make it different. You're trying to make it different. That you're hoping that the next black woman that comes through ESPN didn't have to put up with the shit that you put up with because you already did it, right? So <laughs> that's all I'm trying to do now. Is that because if I try to think about, well, I need to break down the American policing system, I ain't gonna never, I'm gonna be crying myself to sleep every night, all right? But I can take joy in the fact that I can see young black journalists that I have known since they were in their early 20s and didn't know shit. Now they're like becoming stars. And I could be like, oh shit, I can't imagine. And there's you know? joy in the fact that you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> what that I, wait I, I listen <laughs> ma'am you don't want to just bought a new house i'm just saying like, yeah I, so yeah so did you it's joy in the fact that you you run around here paying out here buying buying big items all cash <laughs> <laughs> there is joy in that and you know what um on, on some real shit i take joy in that because yep. This is a level, I have a level of financial freedom nobody in my family has ever experienced. Yo, talk about that. Let's talk about that joy. <laughs> I, that sounds like joy to me. Let's talk about that, that joy. joy. Let's yeah, talk about joy. You, you get a check and your mother ain't made that in a whole year ever in her life. Yeah, my, the first job that I had out of college, my mother never made that much money. Ooh, ooh, and joy. So, uh, Ancestors rejoice. Ancestors rejoice. That's, you know, one of the, the biggest moments of my life is when I brought my mother a Benz and paid cash for it. That was the biggest joy of my life. You brought my Trump on a Benz and paid cash for it. I bought my mom a Benz and paid cash for it. I paid cash for everything I got. I ain't got no debt. I buy white people. Oh, I went too far. You see, always one step over. Always one step over, right? I went too far. <laughs> okay, there are whites but we then, like. Here's the disclaimer. Yeah, so you go have these white people think. Yeah, I know, right. Here, we love whites. Let's just be clear. So, my closest friends, you know, remember they used to do that with the some of my closest friends. Well, I think what white people have to understand is that when we say white people, we're not always referring to people, we're referring to white people as a system. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. not as individual people. But you have to clarify that because they think it's individual, a system in which holds us back that wants us oppressed, that doesn't want us to win. The Correct. same system we're that we're did. referring to the system yeah. of whiteness yeah. and white supremacy. That's what we're referring to. Yeah. And uh, you got it. <laughs> but why do we have to explain it? It should be so obvious now. Why do we have to explain it? I'm okay. No, no, no. Let me stay on our joy. I bought my mama a Benz. I bought yeah. a house all cash. Let me stay on our joy. Let me stay on our joy. <laughs> Let me stay on our joy. With that being said, I think I'm going to name this podcast Progress is Painful but Purposeful because Ooh. everything we discussed is truly- Thank you for that, Ted Talk. A girl, because everything we discussed, our relationships evolving, leaving heartbreak, our, our, our family you know, trauma, and then our joy, and then what are we doing? Why are we here? What is our platform for? Progress is painful, but it's purposeful. It is. I appreciate you. Can I borrow a dollar? Um, can I borrow a dollar from you? No, because you out here buying and buying and doing and doing and buying and buying. I ain't bought shit lately. I just want you to know that. Lies. This, this is Lies. how repair season around this around this uh, piece. Right. What? You, we didn't get the water heater fixed yet? What? No, that's all fixed. <laughs> but, you know, you ain't, 
I'm just saying there might be a there might be a jacuzzi coming. That's all I'm saying. That's all. Oh, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Okay, so here's my here's my my last update. What are we working on? How is your network coming? Your podcast network with Spotify is that is that coming soon? What are we doing? You don't want well, to discuss that now. Okay. okay. Well, I, I, the only thing I will say is that I will tell people yes, there is a network that is coming. It is um, for Black women, um, by Black women. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, of course, everybody uh, else is welcome to the party, but the entire point of it is to explore content that, um, you know, really emphasizes our dimensions, our nuances, yep. our stories, our yep. joy, our pain, our trauma, like all of it, yep. right? And so, um, you know, we'll have a, 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 a set of podcasts that with content that reflects uh, who we are in our totality. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I have more to announce on that hopefully soon, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the genesis of it. I can't wait till I join because what I'm going to do is a podcast that's called either it's my vagina or <laughs> this is how I love you. This I'm ready. To, it's my- it's going to be either or it's going to be, it's my vagina yeah. or this is how I love. And it's my vagina will be past boyfriends. It, it, um, those are two wildly different concepts. Yeah. <laughs> I am diverse. I have. You me, I am diverse. Allow me to evolve. Let me be the woman okay. I am. Um, I am. I'm here for it. And then you just entered into a content deal with uh, our former boss, Skip Skipper, uh, yep, John Skipper, Skipper, and and uh, Dan Levitard. And what will that mm-hmm. look like for you? So I am serving in an advisory capacity. There are some projects that we will be working on together. And I'm excited. I mean, as you know, from your personal um, relationship with Skipper, when we were all at ESPN, uh, Skipper was a really big champion of diversity and a really big champion of black people. Yeah. And and just in, you know, just putting us in positions of success. And so, um, you know, our, our, my relationship with Skipper um, has, it's been a long one now that I think about it. And and yeah, it got a little complicated when I got, you guys are forever connected in so yeah, we many are. ways we are forever in connected so but we never ways. we never i never lost respect for him when yeah. all the trump bullshit happened no um, he's yeah because look yeah we we didn't see eye to eye on everything yeah i sure. mean and but i never lost respect for him at all and i he's he's somebody there are not many people in his position that you feel like are real folk and he yeah. is a real person here's what's interesting you're, you've always been ahead of the curve and the things that you're doing now, you've always been ahead of the curve. And I, and I say it like, it's like, um, I'm talking about one of my units on my head. Like you <laughs> is cute today. You, <laughs> when you're the first, it comes with, it comes with cuts and it definitely comes with bruises. And for you to call the president a white supremacist was water was wet. And now everyone says it like, it's no big deal. So when you're the first and you are a double minority, you have to deal with so much, but only you could have had dealt with that. Everybody wasn't cut for that, which goes back to you, I think, and your toughness and your, and your ability to learn to be vulnerable because you didn't have to be that vulnerable. I remember I would call you crying and you'd be like, yeah, girl, I'll call you back. I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess we're not sad today. <laughs> or you know, let's, go, let's, let's go drink. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but I'm so sad. They're so mean to you. You're like, 
That's cool. That's cool. These people, they just gonna be, yeah. That shit right. like that. That don't bother me. But it's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. You're yeah. good like that. All right. Well, I'm yeah, gonna let you go. All right. You just like these. Uh, you know that ain't really how black people get off of things. You supposed to say like, uh, I gotta go tickle my plant. Let me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, let go, listen. Let me go close this door right quick. And, well, let me go uh, close this door. Right. I'll call you back. Um, or you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna pray for you, and that's the prayer. And that means. <laughs> I'm gonna pray you for stop you. Stop talking about your people. And that was the prayer. <laughs> that was the prayer. I'm gonna pray right for there. you, Carrie. That was right. the prayer. Don't ask for nothing else. You got it. Um, See, I saying. love you. I adore right, you. Man. And and think about the two ideas I pitched to you, okay? Because I can do another <laughs> podcast called "It's My Vagina or How I Love." Just uh, it sounds like a, a best seller. I'm sure everybody I, would love to know about, about my vagina. vagina. My vagage. I think so. Probably so. All right. You guys, I listen. There are too many vagina jokes. There were entirely too many vagina jokes for me. I often, that's my go to, my vagina. I love it, I guess. I don't know. It's mine. Why not? Rappers talk about their penis all the time. How come I can't talk about my vagina? I do think that I am going to write a book about my life, and it's gonna, it's gonna be called Bad Decisions, Great Stories. <laughs> Bad decisions, great stories. And I'm laughing because, yes, quite frankly, that would describe so many of my recent escapades. Get it together, Carrie. Um, I hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast. I think it's extremely important, and I mentioned this off top, I think it's extremely important that you understand the humanity in every single race. I believe the country is in the situation that it's in right now is because we don't see the humanness in others. We don't we don't look at someone and say, oh God, that's some pain that they're dealing with. That must hurt. Uh, oftentimes, we just judge them by what we think they are, how they dress or how they look or how they walk or how they talk. I remember watching a video, one of many videos, uh, of a young black man with his kids and his wife and they were at a, a mall in Virginia. I believe it was I believe it was Virginia Beach. And the police officer just walked up to this young man and put him in handcuffs and took him away from his child, his two children and his wife. And the wife had the wherewithal, although more than likely traumatized, to film all of it. And I remember hearing his voice and he was screaming and he was so angry, but I didn't hear screaming and I didn't hear angry. I heard pain. I heard pain. I heard pain. And then I looked at the little kids and they were so sad. And the wife was so sad, but yet she still had to hold it together like we do as black women and film it all. And while all this was happening, while she was calming her children down and while she was trying to tell her husband, just relax, please don't, don't do anything to get you murdered. She's holding a video camera, right? She's holding her phone, taping all of this rather. And then she's talking to the officer at the same time. Imagine all of those things happening. Consoling your children, consoling your man, taking your phone, having the wherewithal to film it all, just in case, just in case he's murdered. And then at the same time talking to the officer and saying, what did he do? Please talk to us, please let him go. Keeping her head and keeping calm. The level of trauma, I can't even understand it. And I bet there was no therapy after that. No therapy offered or thought. Just go back home. 
have a glass of wine and go back to work on Monday. Shit, that's hard. The reason why I wanted to give you the visual of this, this black woman with octopus arms handling her kids, handling her husband, who may or may not be shot by police, but definitely is going at it with cops, who's having a meltdown while she has the wherewithal to film it all. And then at the same time, talk to the officer and ask calmly and a voice with respect and the respect she was not given. Why in the world did you just handcuff my husband while we were eating Chick-fil-A in the mall? And their response was quite simply, we're looking for a black man with dreadlocks. Are you fucking kidding me? So you can come up to me and disrupt my whole day, if not traumatize me and my children, because you're looking for a black man with dreadlocks who's writing bad checks? I'm sorry, take a number, look around you. There are a ton of black men with dreadlocks. I wanna focus in on that mother that black woman. Her tears didn't matter. Her respect didn't matter. Her using her calm voice didn't matter. None of those things mattered because they couldn't see the humanity in her or her husband or her little black babies. It is so important that we relate to people no matter what race they are as if we want to be treated the same way. When you can't view me as someone who has a heart that beats, blood that flows, tears that come down my eyes, you don't understand what it means to traumatize me or my family to that level and what happens for years and years to come. So when you wonder why two women like Jamel Hill or myself have a show like Won't Stick to Sports and go in and go in, shit, <laughs> talk the way we talk. We're not talking about everybody, but we are telling you this is how life has treated us. This is how life has treated the people that we love, the people that look like us. And this is our view. This is our perspective. This is coming through our lens, our purview. You got to understand, it's not going to be the way you see it. Whether you agree or disagree, it just won't be. The humanity of it all. That's a nice word. It's a nice word. One day, my hope is that we all are truly created equal, right? I, I don't see it, but I still hope. And I asked Jamel, you heard me say, why do we still hope? Why do we still love? Why do we still care about a country that does not care about us? Why? Why are we fighting so hard for it? She answered it eloquently. I wasn't with it. I heard that. I wasn't with it. But that's all we have to do. That's all we have left. That's all we can do is hope. I'm shaking my head. Y'all can't see me. I'm shaking my head. I don't know. I'm hopeful. Depending on what day you catch me. I'm hopeful. I mean, because that's the only reason why I get up every day. That's the only reason why I do what I do. That's the only reason why I take to all of my platforms and talk that talk that y'all don't want to hear sometimes. That is truly the reason why I fight for my black man and I fight for my black sister and I fight for my black people because I have hope. Catch me on the wrong day, though. I got smoke. 
<laughs> I just made that up, but that's a real, real story. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this edition of Naked. It's one black girl sitting at the table reading a newspaper when she's eight years old. The other black girl sitting underneath the table, hiding and being quiet and making sure she don't piss her mommy off. <laughs> but under those tables and at that table is where dreams were born. And today, this is where the dreams are realized. And we're just paying it back, making good on that promise, right? That all of us one day will be created equal. That hope that I just talked about. Go out and do something good for somebody today. Give somebody a hug. Somebody pay for their coffee. Tell somebody they're smart. They're beautiful. You know, hell, cash out a black woman today. You know what I mean? Just out on GP. Go, just going on a Twitter, social media. Find somebody and cash app her. I'm at Carrie Champion if you want to cash app me. I'm taking all monies. Thank you for listening. Talk to y'all next week. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.